Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon. And as you know, I'm your host and your guide. And my job is to get you off the brink. And I can't do that any better than bringing wonderful people with us. Amy Gardner is one today who's going to tell you about some major things you should think about as we come out of a pandemic. But you know, this is not easy and everybody's brains are fighting. You don't quite know how to do it, so you're making it up, not quite well. And I always believe in over-determining success. So if you can overthink what we're doing a little bit and begin to plan for it and realize that not everyone's going to do it exactly the same way you want, then all of a sudden you're going to find new ideas turning into great new ways to work together. And Amy comes out of Chicago, lots of offices there looking for people to come back into them. I don't know. It's lonely at home, but it's easier. I have a client with 70 employees, all of whom don't want to commute, all kinds of things going on. But let me tell you about Amy so she can help you see, feel, and think in new ways. That's our job. Because if you can see something and you can feel it, you'll decide and say, oh, I can do that too. So that's what we want to share today. Amy Gardner is a certified career development and career transitions coach. She'll tell you about that. And a team development and leadership consultant. The company she's with is Apochromatic. And she's going to say that better than I have. She, her work draws on her unique experience as a dean of students at the University of Chicago Law School, which is pretty cool, and a successful career practicing law. At first, as a big law litigation associate and later as an associate and then partner at a mid-sized Chicago firm. She received her BA from Luther College, her JD from the University of Chicago Law School, and her MA in public policy from Northwestern University. Amy's got great credentials for you today, but the most interesting part is she's working with people like you right now to help them see, feel, and think in new ways. The times, they are changing. Amy, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Well, it's such a pleasure to see you, meet you, share you, but tell the audience, who's Amy Gardner? What's your whole journey been like, and how does that bring us to where we are today? Well, I uh, I grew up in Ames, Iowa, and um, my first jobs were working in the Wisconsin Dells, where um, I learned a lot about leadership and team development by running the, wait for it, Big Kahuna Cafe at Noah's Ark Water Park. <laughs> and um, after graduating... I'm sorry to laugh, but no, I can't no. it now. Oh. America's largest water park, land of the free and home of the wave. I mean, it's a fantastic, it was a fantastic experience, actually. But yes, um, so from after I graduated from Luther, I worked in uh, political campaigns in Iowa before going to law school. And um, as you said, I graduated from law school, went straight into a large law firm. Um, I worked at Skadden's uh, Chicago office for just uh, about five and a half, not quite six years. Mm-hmm. And then from there, went to a mid-sized firm. And um, when the opportunity arose to return to my law school as the dean of students, I really viewed it as an opportunity to better prepare students for the practice of law in ways that um, an excellent classroom education doesn't necessarily cover. And um, in as part of doing that work, I kept talking to law firms that were saying, wow, this is really great. And these things that you're doing, because I was talking to law firms to get them to subsidize the things I was doing. And the firms would say, we need this. We need this. And so finally, I decided... Okay, here's this opportunity. Um, and so initially our work was focused on legal employers, but now we've, um, we have we work with lots of different industries. And uh, my husband and I founded Apochromatic actually five years ago. 
Um, we just celebrated fifth year and our fifth anniversary, and we've been married for just over 20 years. So, um, and uh, to, I get to work with smart people every day. I get to work with teams that want to be better, um, and I get to work with lawyers who want to love their careers more. So it's a pretty good gig. What a nice journey. What a nice balance. You know, it is our learning comes from doing experientially as opposed from sitting in that classroom and hearing. And unless we've done it, we don't really know what it is. But these are very challenging times I'm sure you're seeing. So tell us two things. One, a little bit about what you do, how you do it, and a little bit about what you see going on in the markets today that can be helpful for others who are experiencing it. What do you do? Um, so about half my time is spent with our one-on-one and small group mastermind attorney clients. And then the other half of my time is spent working with teams. And it doesn't, regardless of who I'm working with, um, the approach is always first to listen, to understand where people are coming from, and then to really collaborate with them to create solutions. And you know, when you're coaching an attorney on their career, you might be using a strictly coaching approach. But you know, when it comes time to tell them what to do with their resume, you're not coaching them. You're being very directive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and with a team, you know, you're trying to understand the issues. Um, the issues are often not what appears on the surface. And then you're working with the team members to to improve the situation for everyone. And sometimes that involves one-on-one coaching with some leaders. Other times it involves a series of group workshops, but it's fun because you can see the results of, of your work and because you never know, right? When you start an engagement, you never, I, I often, uh, when Keith and I are doing a workshop together, I often comment that it's a lot like riding a bucking Bronco, right? <laughs> you know in your mind how it might go um, and, and you've seen it before, but it's always going to be a different experience. And at the end, the goal is really just um, for the, the team to achieve their goals. As I'm listening, I'm thinking about my own leadership academy. I have several. And uh, in the process, the word team comes up often, but folks, fascinatingly enough, they may have played on a soccer team or a lacrosse team or a football team, but they're all different teams. And I use the metaphor of sports because it resonates. But I have a hunch you see the difficulties without them general manager, coach, or a model for people to know, what is it I do? What is the goal? Why are we doing this? And on the other hand, being an anthropologist, I tell them, you can't solo it. Unless you have a group, call it a team, you can't get anywhere. Humans can't do it alone. Maybe a little, but not really. How do you build the right kinds of teams? Well, um, to start, I think one thing that occurred to me as you were talking is, I don't know if you know Michael Hyatt, but um, he's, yeah. he's been really influential in our business and very helpful. Um, and, and Michael often says vision leaks. Yes. And I think that what we, what we often see is that we might talk with the leaders of a team and say, you know, what are the team's goals? And they can recite them you know, in their sleep. But the average team member, they may feel as though the only real goal is to bring in more revenue, right? Cut costs, bring in more money. Um, and so you really have to, to start with what is the vision and some of that is of course going to be handed down, but other vision needs to come from the people on the team and because you can do all the trust exercises and communication exercises in the world. But if people aren't working towards at least some common goals that are a little bit more motivating than helping someone else become wealthier, (laughs) they're not really gonna, gonna get anywhere. 
<laughs> That's an interesting way to talk about purpose and mission, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I was practicing law, I had a client where I had to keep going to New York every three weeks for this particular case. And it was a great case, but I was sitting at LaGuardia all the time. And um, the client made a comment to me that maybe he should name a condo for me. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, every time we get a disbursement from this fund, um, my wife and I buy another compound. We're kind of building a com- uh, buy another condo because we're sort of building a compound of properties down in Florida. And I was like, wait, I'm spending. And of course, I was being compensated well for this, right? But you're thinking, I've spent how many hours on the Tarmac LaGuardia and you're telling me that that's what this is about? <laughs> yes. and, and you mean, it just, it has to be more motivating than that, right? And, and different things are motivating to different people, but you have to understand what the members of the team, what, why they get up in the morning and who they are and, and what they have to offer. Well, but I'm laughing because often we really aren't sure what our our job is or its purpose and meaning. And I know, you know, there's a huge on the great resignation right now, a huge discussion about young people wanting purpose. What did older people not want purpose? They just wanted profits. And I'm not quite sure we haven't figured out that the young people are just telling others what it is that people really want, which is to have a purpose in life beyond simply a job. And it isn't working for someone, it's working with them. And what does that actually mean? So you have a really big business here. Are there some illustrative cases where you can show like the before and after or some of the challenges that you're facing? Because you know people have to visualize, not envision it, but visualize it because that's how we decide with our eyes. And your story is very powerful. Some stories to share. Sure. So um, uh, let's talk about a team that we worked with not too long ago where we were approached because um, the a, a new leader had inherited a, a team that was doing great um, in, in many respects, but um, he discovered they'd never had any sort of team development, nothing formal, never had a retreat, nothing like that. And so initially our charge was just come in and do something so that the team understands it's a new day and he really, uh, the new leader really cares about this development, but everything's great. So as we start talking to people, um, we learn that, in fact, there are a couple members of this, again, very high-functioning um, team in a very well-known company who that these two members hadn't spoken in 10 years. And I mean, imagine if you are in a, a large company and you are a senior leadership team and two members don't speak. It doesn't matter how great the numbers are and how lovely the human beings are, but there's still that what is happening here? And um, there had been a recent situation where the communication was so siloed that one person is sitting in a meeting and overhears the engineering team talking about a new development, real, realizes or should have realized they better talk to the IP folks, doesn't connect them because just doesn't occur. And, you know, all kinds of things. And none of these were disasters, right? It's kind of like, oh, yeah, they didn't let us know. Now we got to scramble. Oh, yeah, those two don't talk, but whatever, it's their deal. But when you can get to the root causes and when you can address those things, that just brings in a new lightness. And it just makes people happier logging on for those interminable Zoom meetings, right? Mm-hmm. If it's people that you actually don't mind spending time with and you understand where they're coming from. Um, and it, it was Great, because at the end of the engagement, um, we were told it was a resounding success. And more than that, we also saw just how people were talking. When we did an icebreaker, the very first of four workshops, people were just like, 
you know, no, no engagement, like wondering why, why do we have to do this? Um, and by the end, people were exciting, they excited. They had um, on their own come up with a schedule. So everybody would have coffee with everybody else at least once a quarter to get to know each other better. Um, all these sorts of things that we all know in our heads we should be doing. Um, but you get so busy with all the meetings and all the things that you can check off your to-do list that so often it's those personal relationships and you know the, the developing the team and developing the leadership within the team that just gets set aside for you know next quarter, right? Like next know, budget year. Let's dig into this a little bit because we do a lot of culture change work and and humans have only survived because of groups. You know, it's a, a really interesting phenomenon. You set them off on their own in the wilderness and they don't quite know what to do. <laughs> and, and, uh, but, but, you know, you put them in these cubicles or these jobs and they really don't know what to do. They do what they do to keep their job and to feel they have a, a, some reason for being there. You went to the LaGuardia and sat on the tarmac. You weren't quite sure the purpose or the meaning, but you did it. You made a nice income. And that seemed to be what the job was supposed to be. But now we're at a point where people are asking some profound questions, particularly as we're coming back from being remote. You know, why are we together? And why is being remote so unhealthy for humans? Because it is. You know, the incidence of illness goes up, not just COVID. And, and the loneliness turns into all kinds of psychological and behavioral health issues. We're supposed to be group critters. We're herd animals. You know, we're supposed to hang out together, we're supposed to tell stories with each other. But the, the trend is now to begin to see this as valuable, not incidental. And now the question is, well, it's valuable, but I don't know how to do it. You don't know how to talk to each other. You don't know how to set up some time to have coffee together. It's like we're working with a bunch of children <laughs> as opposed to grownups, but we are. And they need new habits to be formed. And habit building takes 30 days or plus or minus. You got to keep doing it before it becomes. As you're watching the, the re-emergence of people going back into the office, I've been dying to ask you, what do you see happening? Are some working well, some not? Where are there opportunities for others to benefit from what your insights are? I think one of the things that you have to remember if you're asking people to come back to the office is that you can't ask them to come back to the office just to sit on Zoom all day. And this is something that we're seeing again and again is that particularly for offices where for, for good safety reasons, they only want a certain percentage of the people there on any given day, then the people who are in the office are often just in their office on Zoom with the people who aren't there. Right? <laughs> there has to be a reason. And um, what we've seen I'm with sorry, many- I don't want to interrupt you, but just visualize. Yeah. I have to drive an hour to get into the office to be on a yeah. Zoom call. Oh. Yeah. I mean, if you want me to get on the L or get on the subway or, or drive somewhere and pay to park and to go in, there, there should be a reason, right? And especially as we've seen so many people have moved farther away from their offices over the last two or three years to get out of you know, inner city cores and um, you know move into suburbs and stuff where they'd have yards and things like that. I mean, I have um, uh, a client who she and her husband, they, you know, they have a couple little kids. They moved an hour and a half from downtown Chicago, and now they both are expected to be coming back into downtown Chicago. And it's like, what does that do to your life? Then, you know, this is a choice they made, but if all of a sudden they add a three hour commute, three hours of commuting each day, like, so there better be a reason for it. Right. And um, I think the, the employers who just, you know, put out donuts or, you know, box breakfasts, breakfast to welcome everybody back one day and then think it's going to go back to the same way. I mean, this is a real opportunity to reset yes. and smart leaders are taking advantage of that opportunity to, to reconsider 
Do we need to be here every day? Um, do we need to have more open work? spaces? Do we need to have fewer open workspaces? Because some people have learned that they can concentrate better without the chaos around them. Yes. Right? Should, should we um, rethink what we were doing for um, uh, backup childcare? Yep. Right. If, if people's kids are suddenly out of school because of a COVID exposure, what, how do we want to support them? And th- this is a real opportunity. Um, uh, I was talking to someone the other day and we were both talking about how if employers think about it and leaders think about it in terms not of going back, but how can we go forward from here? Love it. That I think that reset and that reframe can be really helpful in thinking through what kind of workplaces do we want to have? Yes. And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey. Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls and become the best that they could be. They heard things like women aren't lawyers and women can't lead and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at andysimon.com and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. Well, I'll add to that because I've been doing research on what does work mean? The work day. I mean, I've worked and I've coached a bunch of um, uh, folks who during the COVID period early on were now at home and they were trying to figure out uh, what is work. You know, they were really delighted to be able to take a morning meeting and get the wash done and, and then take a, a, a noon time co- collaboration with their colleagues or friends or their, their whatever, and then get dinner going. And, and then they could work at eight or nine at night when the kids went to bed and they were saying, what is work? When do we do work? There were profound questions about the transformation that was opening up opportunities unfamiliar in the past. Uh, but really important ones about what is the meaning of work? Where do we do it? Um, and that that wonderful little article that I saw of the gal who finished it one and said, well, pay me till five, but I have nothing else to do. And, and, and her question wasn't about her willingness to do more, but that's all I have to do. I did it fast. Don't, don't, don't penalize me for being efficient. Um, but how do you reward me? What does this mean? in terms of, of what I do. Now, this is different than being on a factory floor where the machines keep going. But so much of our societies are, are you know, knowledge workers. We're managing their minds and their time. Now the question is, do we manage them? Or are they managing us? 
Are they all gig economy folks? It's a real interesting time. What do you see? Well, I think one of the complications of people working, you know, at different times throughout the day, that, that's fine for some folks, but I mean, the, the brain science tells us that you actually need more extended periods away from work for your brain to relax, right? And so if you decide I'm going to work another segment from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., fine, but then your brain doesn't have as much, yes. then your brain can only reset from 9 p.m. until you start again. Yes. Um, You don't have that extended time off. And particularly with weekends, we've seen that a lot. And it just leads to more burnout. Um, But there's also the fact, too, that if you are a leader who decides that works for you, great. But if you are then sending an email at eight o'clock at night and not scheduling it that to go out tomorrow morning, then you are sending messages to your team. And so what might work for you and be great for you, you have to think about how that's affecting other people. And um, we worked with a team where um, a number of changes have been made to accommodate parents who are trying to supervise homeschooling kids, which thank goodness they did that. Of course, they need to do that. You cannot have six-year-olds trying to school themselves at home without supervision, right? I mean, I think we can all agree that was a good thing. But what happened was then it didn't acknowledge that other people in the team might have other activities that they prioritized. And so because things had been shifted to later in the day, um, we talked with one person who said, look, you know, I don't have kids. I don't feel like I can say anything. But throughout the pandemic, if so far, the one thing that has kept me going has been this one um, workout on, that she was doing online five or six every day. And because they shifted things back, she couldn't do that. And she didn't want to say my workout is as important as supervising the next generation of our leaders, right? But it was really causing consternation and frustration for her. So some of it is creating an environment where everybody can say, hey, I know this isn't the same, but I sure would like it if we could, you know, avoid my, yes. m- my activity, right. And my priority right now. So I think that, um, it, some of the flexibility has been great in a lot of ways, but, you know, I, I worked remotely right after I got out of college when I was working for political campaigns. And let's just say that remote work in 1998 was a lot different than it is now. And then I, I worked remotely, um, for, a. uh, a national legal nonprofit organization when I left the law school. And now with our business, we've worked from all over the world. And um, I've seen some of these changes. I've made all the mistakes there are, I think, at different points. And we have to allow ourselves to experiment and understand. It doesn't have to stay the same way. um, But some of these things that can seem great in the moment, once you get going and do them for weeks and weeks and months and months, uh, may not be a long-term solution for everyone. That takes me to that thought, though. Was going into the office uh, a choice, necessary? I mean, you just raised a very important point. I want to have people think about the complexity of that person who's working with you and give you the right or the option to work ways that make sense to you. Um, Because as you follow the logic is going back into the office, then the solution. Um, It is a very profound question about how are we going to invent the next stage? Because to your point, some worked, some didn't. So what moved on? Right. And it's going to happen all over again. This will work sort of. The challenge for your clients is what is it and how do I measure working? You know, is it working or not? How will I know? I think... um... We, we've seen that there are some generational differences among some teams about being in the office. And there, I, I just spoke with somebody maybe a week ago who had a lot of resentment and said, look, they were fine with me working from home when it was, you know, they were either going to have no work or we were all going to work from home. Right. 
And now they don't want people working from home. I mean, it is this thing of everybody pitched in and who could work from home and it readjusted. I mean, if you think back to March, 2020, nobody got a say. That's correct. And so if you have team members who, who pulled it off and have done a good job for them to turn around and say, Oh, we have a blanket policy. <laughs> um, of course, people are going to be frustrated. Right. That's and funny. especially right now where you can have other options. Uh, lots I mean, yeah. I, you know, we, we're, uh, we're involved in a, a common mentoring program and um, one of the, the people I've been fortunate to work with in that program um, went to his boss and said, you know, I'm really burned out and I've been working all these hours. I, I need something to give. And her response was to talk about how she works on weekends. And this is somebody who's in high demand, who sent out two resumes and got two interviews, right? I mean, you don't, People have other options and they've always had other options, but it's much more stark now, I think. And so some of it is, yeah, employers have to figure out what works for the workplace, but they've got to be reasonable about it. And everybody's definition of reasonable might be different based on where they're sitting. But, you know, in, in the work that we do, and I suspect in yours, too, we think about it backwards. You know, that platinum rule, don't do other, unto others as you want done to you, do unto others as they want to be done to. And that little illustration you had, he couldn't care less if she worked weekends. Um, <laughs> he needed a couple of weeks off without any penalty to go, you know, on a hiking tour or something that made sense. So let's, you know, flip this a little bit around. And not get so angry that the employees are defining what it is that we will be doing. You can't do it without them. I mean, I often talk about leaders um, need followers because if you don't have anyone following you, you can't lead anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so don't diminish the power of that follower. They will either embrace you or they will abort you. And, um, and those are the two folks who didn't talk to each other. This is such fun, Amy. So we're about ready to wrap up. Two or three things that you'd like the listener not to forget because we tend to remember the ending even better than that lovely beginning. What should they remember? I think um, one thing to keep in mind is that just because you did it one way before doesn't mean you can't get a fresh start. Yes. And so if you can seize this as an opportunity to, to reconsider how things are working, whether it's in your own career or whether it's with a team that you're leading or a team where you are a member of the team, right? This is an opportunity for everyone to pitch in and and reset and consider what we want things to look like. And I think the second thing is to uh, give yourself and the people around you some grace. This is, none of us have ever come back from, you know, being home for two years before. <laughs> it's not even um, two weeks. It was going right. to be by April, right. Right. I mean, none of us have been here before. And so it is very much giving each other grace and understanding that different people have had different things happen over the last two years. I, I've said many times, we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. And so the staff person who has not had backup childcare and may have, may have lost a family member in the last two years is in a very different position than the person who may have moved to their vacation home and had lots of space and, you know, maybe been with a spouse and without small children running around, right? That it's just a different experience. So um, give everybody, including yourself, some grace. And then the last thing is to get help, right? There are lots and lots of resources. I mean, you can start by sitting and listening to Andy's podcast for a day, right? Like how much could you get out of that? Um, But there are so many things, so many resources out there um, that you can draw on. You do not have to go through this alone if you really want to seize this moment uh, to make things better. And I love Amy's point. You got to seize the moment. You know, it is a really unusual gift to you to rethink, reboot, um, redesign, but figure out what matters to you. 
And, and I often use a little exercise. What do you want to do more of and less of? You know, you better make a list. And every time I do that, the folks I do it with say, oh, I said, yeah, nobody's stopping you from doing more of that or doing less of this. You know, you got to take control of what you're thinking. Your mind does exactly what it thinks you want it to do. And, and the habits stay over. New habit time. It's a time for you to rethink what you're doing and have a good time doing it. Why not? I mean, it's a really, okay. let's have fun. This has been such fun. Um, Thank you. I, I'm, if they want to reach you, where can they do that? Sure. So you can always find me on LinkedIn if you search for Amy M. Gardner. There are many other Amy Gardners out there. Um, and you can also always email me, amy at apochromatic.com, which um, I'm sure you'll have in the, the notes. I will have it in there. People can spell apochromatic. <laughs> I just want to make sure I spell it right. We'll check that link yeah. a lot. So for all of you who come to our web to our website, who come to our podcast and are part of our great uh, audience, we I guess listen notes said we're in the top 5% of global podcasts, whatever that might mean. But I am always honored. I love your email. Send them to info at andysimon.com. Tell me what you want to hear more about. Amy was perfect for today because I can only tell you got a bunch of folks out there, clients of ours and others trying to figure out how to figure this out. And humans are clever, creative creatures, but they also get stuck in the stories of yesterday. And right now we need to craft new ones for tomorrow. It's a new chapter in your sitcom and laugh. It's fun. My books are there on Amazon. Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business has done really well. And On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights is still, you know, clicking away there. Won its award and it's bringing us great clients who have to change. And that's what we're all about. So On the Brink with Andy Simon is here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. Amy, I'll let you say goodbye and then I'll say goodbye. Last thought. Um, I just hope people will know that they can uh, feel free to reach out. Always glad to hop on the phone or hop on Zoom and, and chat through an, whatever issue you may be encountering. Always glad to hear from folks. And don't forget, there's no reason you have to do this alone because you know why you do it alone. And, and those folks who don't talk to each other, there's nothing better than picking each other's brains and having some time laughing over a cup of coffee. It's a good time to do it. Although mm-hmm. someone asked me, is having wine every night with a friend a good hobby? I said, I'm not sure. <laughs> but <laughs> what your hobbies are. Goodbye, everybody. Come again. We'll see you every Monday. Bye-bye now.